We're back, back for another pod, back before Oklahoma, Iowa State in week five, and back with Garen Emig before we're back in the press box at Owen Field. It's been a couple weeks, Garen, since that SMU game. And we're back for the 10th episode of the Letterman Jacket Pod. Number 10, Sooners roster, Jackson Arnold, popular guy. Kip Lewis, another popular guy. When I think 10, Garen, my mind does go to the soccer pitch. I think Harry Kane, at least with Tottenham, he wears nine over in the Bundesliga now, and he, where he wears lederhosen and does photo shoots where he fakes drinking beer. Uh, and Landon Donovan, that's, that was like the first number 10 on a soccer field I fell in love with that 2010 World Cup with Landon Donovan. So that's where my head goes for you, number 10. What does that number mean? Well, if you fell in love with Landon Donovan, I like several 50-somethings who played soccer at, at a young age, fell in love with Pele. Mm. Fortunately, I caught the Cosmos version, not the uh, Brazilian version. Kind of missed that era of uh, the greatest who ever lived, but I default to Pele. As a Steelers fan, it's either Roy Jarella Kicker on the 70s Steel Curtain teams. He, he was awful, by the way. But he got a great name, and his cheering section, the Jarellas Gorillas. Mm, elite. Beautiful. Um, and then Cordell Stewart, one of my favorite college players of all time, who became one of my favorite utility guys for the Steelers of all time. I'd also be remiss if I didn't probably mention maybe my favorite number 10 of all time on the soccer field, Diego Armando Maradona who graced that number and graced every room and pitch he walked into or onto. But, Garen, we're not here to talk about Maradona. That's a podcast for another day. I want to know more about Harry Kane faking the beer drinking. I, that, All right, that, five seconds aside what, on that. Who fakes drinking beer? Well, I'm guessing as an elite athlete, he's probably not like slugging beers midweek in, in 2023. But <laughs> he did a photo shoot in Munich. It's Oktoberfest in like l- traditional lederhosen. And he had a big beer stein in his hand. I'm just guessing it was a photo shoot. It was supremely lame. God, the things he wouldn't have to be doing if he hadn't left Tottenham. <laughs> Garen, we are not here as much. Well, shoot, that's another topic you get me going on for a long time. But <laughs> we're going to talk Iowa State. We're going to hand out some third of the way through the season awards. And we're going to play another game of Garen or Gare Out. But first, we're going to kind of dive into that what i'd say is the prevailing topic if you want to talk about a position group around oklahoma right now and it's the running backs mm-hmm. because four no that's where the sooners stand and to this point i don't think you'd have many other position groups to complain about if you were an ou fan you'd look at the quarterback play and be pretty happy with dylan gabriel wide receivers have been good offensive line by and large good enough same for the defensive line danny stutzman the linebacker is great same for the secondary but that running back room hasn't gotten going yet Mm-hmm. We kind of got more wishy-washy stuff from Jeff Levy Saturday, and and you know Brent Venables made it clear on Tuesday that uh, they don't. If they had a guy, if someone had established themselves, he'd be playing uh, themselves. They'd be playing. Uh, but the fact is, they're not there yet, and we go into another week kind of scratching our heads with this running back group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've both written about this topic, haven't we? Since the went over Cincinnati Saturday, that was my column on game day. Sellhotcrawl.com, garenamig.com. And you uh, doubled back to it, what, Monday? I think it was, mm-hmm. early this week. And I, I get the analysis. Here's what I would say to OU fans going a little overboard on, on the problem. It's what I would tell OSU fans trying to figure out what Mike Gundy's doing with his quarterback rotation, because I think the same questions are being asked Jeff Levy and DeMarco Murray of OU's running back rotation. And that is, you're missing the point. Point is, the, the, the issue is up front not in the backfield. 
in Norman and Stillwater. And they're all, it doesn't matter who has the ball. What it, 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 let's, let's simplify it for OU. Whether it's Tywee Walker, Javante Barnes, Marcus Major, or Gavin Sawchuk, or Dylan Gabriel, you're only going to get so much. All right. This is not a, a drive blocking, run blocking, zone blocking, elite offense. It just isn't offensive line. So you, what you got to do is find a way to, to just be adequate, complement the strength of the offense, which is, as we've talked about, Gabriel throwing the ball. And, and this is going to be okay. This is not going to keep running back position isn't going to keep the Sooners from going to the playoff this year. The offensive line might. Okay. So let's focus to me, the focus ought to be up front not so much in the backfield. I don't know if that's a cop-out. That's just how I'm seeing it as of going into Iowa State. I think it's a fair point. I personally don't think there is one place to point blame with this running back room. I think the offensive line has has been great protecting Dylan Gabriel. I think it hasn't been, mm-hmm. to, to your point, elite in any way and may never be elite in terms of a run-blocking offensive line. But then I look to the running backs, and whether it's any of theirs you know, fault, no one's really mm-hmm. had a chance to find a rhythm. And, and they really haven't. They've rotated so much that we haven't seen anyone really run consistently just to, to really know what's there other than the fact that surely it's a statement on all four that they haven't picked a guy yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I look at Jeff Levy, and, and there's just, you know, it, it returns to some of last year. I think any offensive coordinator or big program is going to catch, you know, strays in here and there, but it's the play calling. And is it really setting this group up between the rotation, between what this line is and the play calling? Are they set up to run the ball well? They probably don't need to if they're going to pass as well as they have and, and make that the strength and they can protect Dylan Gabriel. But the running game's not gotten going. There's a lot of reasons you could point to for it. But the bottom line is it's, it's not been productive. And while they can maybe get away with, you know, 160 yards per game, which is about what they're at right now, it is showing up. And, and I think they're going to need it at some point. And right now they don't have it. Yeah. I, again, I when Gunny was going through his situation at quarterback, and maybe he still is, we'll find out next week, he he challenged either the media or the fan base and say, well, what would you do? And I, I'd, again, I'd sort of, I'd sort of make the same challenge. I mean, is it, is it that, have you seen anyone? And, and maybe that's the problem is that Murray, DeMarco Murray, the running backs coach, if it's ultimately his call as to who gets the ball, he's not giving someone a chance to stand out. But is there anything that anyone has seen from any of these backs that would lead you to think, that guy ought to get the ball more. I went to the Cincinnati game, Eli, thinking that Walker mm-hmm. was their hardest runner. And therefore, because of the offensive line's shortcomings, run blocking would be the most valuable carrier because he'd have to find yards that just aren't there naturally. Well, Mar- Marcus Major opened my eyes in particular on that 19-yard that gain on third and 19. And then when he picked up, I think, 46, 47 of the, of the rushing yards, no, they got 46 or 47. I think he had 30 of it on the 75-yard drive that won, that essentially won yep. the game in the third quarter. Okay, so I, I, I still think it might be Walker. I still don't know if there is such a guy in that rotation. And, I, and you can criticize Levy and, and Murray for not giving someone an opportunity to seize the moment. I, I see that. I just don't know if, we're, if, if even given that chance, it's going to be an obvious call. That might be the case. I think most OU fans who will be sitting in the crowd Saturday would say, where's Javante Barnes? Because he's mm-hmm. probably the most, physically gifted of that unit i mean marcus major demarco murray will tell you is the best one of the best athletes on the roster but from what we saw from javante barnes last year and the promise he had uh to to just everything he carries he might be that guy but we haven't seen enough of him he hasn't played at hardly at all in the in the two meaningful games they played with smu in cincinnati gavin sawchuk we know had a hamstring injury that hampered him in camp and i'm sure has has lingered into the season so we're, we're waiting there 
But to your point, if it's none of them, what do they need to do? If they don't have an Eric Gray, which I don't think they do, Mm-mm. what has to happen for this offense? Because the fact is, if you, if you look at that first half against Cincinnati, I kind of dove into these numbers in the story I wrote this week. Mm-hmm. They faced 12 second downs in the first half against Cincinnati when the run game had 35 yards on 18 carries. Eight of those were second and nine and longer and had been preceded by, I think, five run plays. Mm-hmm. That's where we can sit here and say that the passing game's good enough, but when the run game is leaving them in second and long, right, frequently, right. that's where it shows up. And in the second half, when they ran better, that number fell. I think they had four second down and sevens or longer, mm-hmm. a, 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 and, and the offense ran smoother. So that's where there's the passing game's going to take care of business, I think. They don't need to run, as Walter Rouse said it, 300 yards a game. Yeah, They got to have something, and that's why sorting out this rotation is going to matter. And we hear Jeff Lebby and Brent Venables both say it's kind of getting determined week to week in practice. You'd imagine DeMarco Murray's got a lot, if not all, of the main input there. They've got to figure out whether it's the right guy or mm-hmm. just the right rotation. I think we need to see somebody carry the ball, you know, or, or two guys carry the ball 15 times each to, to get some semblance of a rhythm. Sure. They keep talking about rhythm. And I think this was in a, a headline of mine that got scrapped, but as a George Michael callback, you know, quiet feet have got no rhythm. They've got to give these guys a shot. Somebody needs a chance. I don't know that I necessarily care who, and maybe you try it out another week, but someone needs to run the ball 15 plus times to see if, if, if they've got anything there. How in the hell are you pulling a careless whisper lyric at your <laughs> age and throwing it into a story about OU's run game? That is, that's There's what you not, get. What's the story? Who, who turned you on to that? I can't tell you who my ghostwriter is. Then the whole jig would be up. You know, <laughs> I don't write any of my own stuff, but I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> two things, two things to end, to end this portion of the show. Iowa State does invite you to run the ball. John Heacock is big on dropping into coverage and making it really difficult on the opposing quarterback. So we'll see how Gabriel handles that. And then we'll see what Levy does in response to that with the run game Saturday. And then, of course, there comes the next week's game against can't remember who. Um, the Texas school. Some, I forget which yeah, one of them. Oh, you play so many this year. Texas State? Mm-mm, not that Texas, one. Texas Women's University? No. Martin Simmons? Uh-uh. All right. Tarleton State? <laughs> that, you know, it's, uh, what's the team that uh, Necessary Roughness, 90s movie? Um, they played the, the, the shot their games in the, uh, the old stadium at North Texas. What, what were they called? What was their now you're beyond school? my depth. Now, I impressed you with George Way Michael, and now you're asking me about 90s movies. So far off the rails already. When the Sooners play the Longhorns, if you want to win the game, you need to win the rushing battle. It's every year since 1999, but two. The team that rushes for more yards wins the game. So there, there will be an automatic default to that number next week and therefore the 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 full attention will be on whether we the Sooners have a go-to guy going into the Cotton Bowl so perhaps then important that they sort some things out this weekend and it it could be a good opportunity like you mentioned it's the top pass defense in the Big 12 it's the top defense in the Big 12 in terms of yardage they're Oklahoma's either going to have to go and say we're going to beat that secondary and and no matter what Iowa State doesn't look like what it did a couple years ago with Matt Campbell it's defense still does they're either going to have to say, all right, Dylan Gabriel, this passing attack, go beat them or figure something out on the, on the ground. Mm-hmm. And that would bode well, not just for this weekend and the future, but the game after it, as you mentioned. They're going to need to have somebody capable of running the ball. Maybe it is Dylan Gabriel against Texas. 
uh, and and maybe we have some answers after Saturday night. To this point, we don't. But you mentioned Iowa State, 6 p.m. Saturday night, Owen Field. Mm-hmm. Sooners are 20 point favorites, and I, it did strike me that Brent Venables, when he was at the lectern uh, the other day, pointed out all the close games they've played with with Iowa State, especially in Norman. Um, I think the last he he said it. OU's two and one in those last three visits from Iowa State. But the scores are 101 to 100. Think of the last like eight or nine games they've played with each other, all but one, and it was actually last fall's game in Ames, were decided by ten points or fewer. So, <laughs> as much as people want to look ahead to Texas this week, I know at least one person who wrote a column looking ahead to Texas. Uh, he might even be uh, on the mic as we speak. A, I don't know a, that this is a game for Oklahoma idea. to overlook. What an awful, what a, what a small-minded writer he is. Or she, I guess, or they. No, he's a hack. <laughs> For those of you who haven't been at sellercrowd.com lately, uh, Garen Amy did write in a really good column uh, looking ahead to OU Texas this week. It was tactful. It was insightful. All those things. Apparently. It, well, you know, impactful. You may, you know, I read it. Here, you know what the columnist wrote that that drivel. Even though he sat there and watched Iowa State come into Norman six years ago against a four and 30 point favorite. Oh, you was a twenty point favorite, right? Saturday mm-hmm. Sooners were th- minus thirty in this game six years ago. They'd beaten Ohio State in Columbus. Everyone was gaga over Lincoln Riley. Oh, you was up fourteen points in the first half. Everyone's thinking about, you know, where, where are you going to go drink your, uh, your, you know, your, your booze at halftime? And then you look up two hours later and it's 38-31 Iowa State. One of the most, one of the weirdest games I've ever covered at Owen Field because there was nothing. If you go back and look at the stats of that game, there's nothing in the stat sheet that, that tells you from turnovers to total yards to first downs that tells you where, the, where oh, you went wrong. And yet they went wrong. And they did it against a quarterback named Kyle Kempt, Eli, who I think had thrown two passes in his life before that game. He threw for three-something on the Sooners. If he can do that, then Rocco Becht can probably do something Correct. similar this weekend after throwing well, that, for 348 against OSU. That's the point right there, is that I don't blame anybody overlooking this game, looking ahead to Texas. Iowa State, they've lost to, to Ohio. They are still under the cover of a sports betting investigation. They don't have their starting quarterback, the guy who was supposed to be the starting quarterback at the start of this year. Plenty to overlook there, except for the fact that Iowa State has played, always plays teams tough, always plays Oklahoma tough in Norman. You're, you broke down the, the biggest piece of history right there. Uh, and the fact is, they they are getting better. They looked, they were good enough to beat Oklahoma State a week ago. Mm-hmm. We'll know maybe in a few weeks what that even means. It went over Oklahoma State, but the point is, for an Oklahoma team that in the two meaningful games that's played, SMU. And Cincinnati didn't close the door on either team until the fourth quarter fully. Uh, I don't know that why anyone would sit around and say, yeah, Oklahoma's just going to steamroll uh, a power five opponent. We're, there's a lot to be optimistic about right now with OU, but that's, I don't think we're at that mm-hmm. point yet. Mm-hmm. So the fact is, this is another challenge for them. The defense uh, of Iowa State is probably going to at least limit some of the scoring. And, and while Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma's defense... I think can probably do enough to contain Rocco Beck to Brent Venables is very complimentary of. I think there'll be more of a game here than some are thinking. And I think the Sooners better not be thinking ahead to the Longhorns quite yet. Yep. 
Yeah, and and again, the, the knee jerk from the OU base in response to my warning about 2017. Well, look look what look what Kyle Kent was throwing against. I mean that that was. Yep. We may not have known it just yet, but but behind the curtain, that thing was a mess defensively, and it was just going to get worse. Okay. Clearly, this defense is trending the opposite direction. I'm just saying. I'm just saying we we've seen this we've seen this happen before. Circumstances being different six years later. There, there is a script. There's a script here for Matt Campbell to follow. Certainly is, but you mentioned that secondary for OU, and I think this presents an opportunity for them. Mm-hmm. For for Oklahoma, the run game is what maybe they attack Iowa State's defense with, but I think Iowa State's going to go to the air. Rocco Beck had a pretty solid showing, what, 348 yards, three mm-hmm. touchdowns against Oklahoma State. But this week he's going to see an Oklahoma secondary that not only has played really well and is rotating guys and feels deep, but they're creating turnovers. That's right. Seven interceptions in the last two games. A lot of help from Tulsa there, but they're making plays. I, I think the confidence is building. You talk to somebody like Key Lawrence, who got name checked in within Brent Venables' nine and a half minute uh, sermon on the defense and buy in and all that uh, during his press conference Tuesday. He's playing well. Gentry Williams has been really sturdy as that second guy at cornerback, Woody Washington, as Brent said kind of been the model for that mm-hmm. secondary. So a unit that's really operating well, I think is going to get thrown on this weekend. And I, I think we're going to see a, a bit more of, of what they're made of again before a really big, big test against Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, Iowa State's going to throw. They don't, they don't have a running game, Eli. They, they just don't. They didn't just lose their starting quarterback to the gambling sting. They lost their returning leading rusher, uh, Jarrell Barak. And so they, they, they just don't have a running game. And so this, this the Sooners shouldn't have to score more than twenty four, right? I mean, to to be safe. Well, they had 30. enough last weekend, right? They had thirty four a week ago. Iowa State didn't they? Yeah, but again, again, um, circumstances being different. But I I think that I think it is there. Campbell's only shot to move the ball is, is through the air with Beck. He does have a couple of really good receivers. Both had very productive games against OSU last week. I, I don't see it happening, but again, I'd never even heard of Kyle Kemp six years ago, and all he does is torch, <laughs> torch the, a, a, a third-ranked OU team that had beaten Ohio State two weeks earlier. So, fairy tales, me, fairy tales do come true. This, and we've already hit on kind of the points with the run game and, yep. the, and the passing game, but to me, while we've been spending so much time so far this fall focused on the defense and, hey, can they keep it up? This is the week I look to the offense. And, and next week, too, with Texas, they're playing two uh, elite defenses in the next two weeks. This is where, whether it's getting the running game going or, or making, showing us you know, even more in the passing game, mm-hmm. this is the time for the offense, for Jeff Levy, for Dylan Gabriel, and, and everyone on that side of the ball to show us something. Because I think we've, we've got a lot to learn still, even as impressive as they've been. And we're certainly going to find out these next two weeks. Well, Garen, we're now going to jump into some they're not quite mid-season awards we're four games in and maybe at four wins you would probably assume a bowl game but 12 game schedule we are a third of the way into the season time flies doesn't it it's like a first intermission of a hockey game indeed something you know a little about i hear i've got that photo not far from me me and my hockey pad seven years old you've seen it it, 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 the, world needs to, the world needs to see it, Eli. Well, perhaps, I don't know, maybe, maybe one of these days we'll do a little show and tell. But we're doing third of the way through the season awards for the Sooners. Looking at 
who shined early on, mm-hmm. which position groups have been improved, and all that. We're going to start. I want to know, your offensive MVP not named Dylan Gabriel to date, who is that? Probably Andrew Anthony, because I think he's been, if, if we're I'm spoiling the next question, if wide receiver has mm. been the biggest, right, has made the biggest jump in terms of a position from last year to this, there, there, there's got to be a keystone for that. And I, I think it's, we've reached a point where it's pretty clearly Andrew Anthony. If, if we weren't sure what the Sooners were getting from the Michigan transfer, there was a lot of anticipation. There was a lot of potential. It's starting to settle in that, um, it wasn't just speed and, and, and potential to get open, but the ability to finish plays after getting open and, and running deep posts or goes down the sideline. And that is, uh, that is a big boon for Dylan Gabriel. Um, if you're going to ask me about a, an offensive MVP at first intermission, not named Dylan Gabriel, it's only fair that I ask you for a defensive one, not named Danny Stutzman, because it's just as obvious, right, on defense? I think so. I think Danny Stutzman and Dylan Gabriel. If we were just talking MVPs, those would be the two names you'd pick. Mm-hmm. I know that, you know, you could look at Jaron Canick, who I think is off to an incredible start. He really feels like Danny Stutzman 2.0. Uh, for, I mean, it doesn't help the fact that they are, you know, tied at the hip and, you know, Brent Venables called them frickin' frack. They're buddies, but they really, the trajectory for Jaron Canick right. has been very Stutzman like to this point. And that should have OU fans excited. To me, though, Woody Washington has almost been the unsung guy. Mm. Um, he's playing more snaps than anybody in that secondary. He's not getting thrown too at too often. I think some have conflated it to like people are just staying away from it entirely. It's not the case, but he's been really impressive. He's been, I know we've said Danny Stutzman, the connective tissue uh, on certain, uh, you know, in this defense, but in that secondary, he's been the guy for a unit that struggled so mightily last year. They're so much better this year, and I think mm-hmm. it starts with him. So he's been, I think, that guy through the early weeks. Um, who, after Danny Stutzman, I looked at Woody Washington as, as the guy making this offense go. Throwing it back to you, you've told us what you think of one wide receiver. I think I know where this is going. But most improved position group, where are you looking at? Maybe I'll say most improved position group that's not the wide receivers. Well, it's a cop-out if I said linebackers, right? You can do whatever you'd like. You'll be judged by the by the public. That's all. <laughs> That's a, it's a race. Well, here it is. It's a th- it's a three horse race, my man. It's it's um, wide receiver, linebacker, and secondary. But you, there are little you know asterisks. I think next to each one, how if the coverage is a little stickier the next couple of weeks for Anthony and um, Jaden Gibson and Drake Stoops. And, you know, name your name, your uh, Nick Anderson, name your wideout. How, how do you know, do they continue to get open and latch on to uh, to one on one balls? Because I have so far, but I think it's fair to wonder as, again, the, the, the competition ratchets up, if that's if that's going to keep happening. And then on defense, um, you know, Stutzman and Canick are running everything down and 90 percent of the time making the play after they've run something down. But but what happens the week that I don't know if they, they're going to. Here's here's what's I guess you know you favor this year. I don't know if there's a B. John Robinson on the schedule, right? Texas Texas is okay running the ball, but it, it, the strength of their offense is when Ewers drops back and throws to Worthy, right, or or A. D. Mitchell or Jatavion uh, Sanders, Jatavion Sanders, not when he hands it to Jonathan Brooks. Is there is there a running back in the Big Twelve that's really going to make life difficult 
for Stutzman and Canik at the point of, of impact. And then that that leads me, I think, to the answer here. And that, that really is a secondary because I think that's we're going to find out over the next you know four to six weeks definitively how much grow, how much more grown up that back end has become under uh, Jay Valai and Brandon Hall. They look great so far. Their coverage is fine. Their 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 ball location is fine. They're they're making interceptions. That's the most important thing. They're actually gaining takeaways when they have the chance to. Something that just they they failed miserably at a year ago. Venables has said as much. So I I think I'm going to land on the secondary, and that's sort of wishful thinking because I think if it's not the most ex- improved position, OU ceiling is, is only so high. If if I, if you're asking me about the most improved position. Do you land on a most improved player from last year to this up to this point? You might. And so what that, your answer there is Danny Stutzman then for the most, for the most improved player. Oh, shoot. No, I'm no. asking you. Well, you're asking me. Well, Danny Stutzman could land there, but he would feel unfair. So I, th- I think you got to start a little lower, right? On, on our most improved. And there's plenty of spots to look around to Gentry Williams comes to mind again as, you know, didn't see a ton of the field last year, injured toward the latter half. But the fact that he's held down uh, that second cornerback spot really with no issue. I feel like all you want, at least starting out for a sophomore cornerback in a starting role, is to not hear his name all that often, mm-hmm. at least in a negative context. And he's made plays. He's been active. He hasn't been picked on. All that's been really impressive so far. Where my mind goes, it's back to the wide receivers and Nick Anderson who's giving them a guy that they didn't have a year ago, both in terms of depth and even what he can do, um, and is, appears to be of, of the young wide receivers. You know, we might have looked at Jacquez Petaway or Jaden Gibson and said that's going to be the young guy to step up. Right. It's been Nick Anderson. He was yeah. out all last year with an injury. To that point, you know, maybe it's not improvement, just availability, but he's a touchdown threat, two touchdowns in four games. Um, got it was a nice, easy one, I think. Uh, oh, I won't take away from it, but at Cincinnati, just a little pitch from Dylan Gabriel. Mm-hmm. But there, there was that other spot. They went to him on a third down where he picked up, I think, 18 yards. And that's where he separated himself, at least on one play, from being just a home run hitter, touchdown guy, to if, if he's another productive receiver that they can throw to on critical downs. Mm-hmm. It's a major improvement from last year, and it, it gives Dylan Gabriel in this offense another weapon. So I've been really impressed by him thus far. I think it's a very promising start, both for 2023, but really a guy who I think is designated as a redshirt freshman, uh, what he could be for the future here. We already hit on Andrew Anthony, so we're going to take him out. But transfer MVP, we're both going to give answers to these last two. Okay. So let me hear it. Transfer MVP outside of Andrew Mm-hmm. I think it's going to end up being Desan McCullough. It's just a matter of time. Yep. I, I don't think there's any doubt. And that's too bad in a way that it's too bad for Justin Harrington because it's his injury and McCullough's return from, from to health that's opened the, the door pretty wide. For I'll the say Indiana. this too. I'm sorry? Most, I'll say this too. M- most improved player would have been Justin Harrington if he was yeah, yeah, that's healthy right. and we knew no. kind of where it was at. Because he's the jump he made from yeah. guy who had left the program uh, to not only a leader, but a mm-hmm. guy who they were starting ahead of Desan McCullough at Cheetah. Mm-hmm was incredible so it's a shame yep. we're not really sure where he's at and that was me interrupting you but okay he would have been that guy but you're right Desan McCullough probably factors in as, as your likely end of season transfer MVP yeah. I think and and one one more thing about this Eli I it would be helpful for OU's situation defensively if that gap closed and by and by and in that if someone up front closes the gap on McCullough mm-hmm. whether it's 
Rondell Bothroyd, DJ Terry, or Trace Ford? Because that was the attention, right, going into the year. As, as ballyhooed a transfer as McCullough was, everyone focused on the patchwork being done up front. Immediate help to bolster a defensive line that wasn't nearly strong enough a year ago in the Big 12. And we've talked about the ramifications of that, not just this year, but moving forward in the SEC. So what Sooner fans need to see between now and, and December is for there to be more impact from transfers on the defensive line. It's, it's coming in, 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 in spots, right? It's in Bothroyd had a very impressive, mm-hmm. what, one-arm sack, one-handed sack. That didn't count, got called back. It, right, but the, the video that our friend, um, was it Josh Calloway, I think, shared? Mm-hmm. I think he might have mm-hmm. caught I hope I'm not shortchanging anyone. Anyway, that's the kind of impact play that, that uh, Venables needs more of up front from transfer guys. Indeed. I'd say uh, under the radar one would be Troy Everett, the App State transfer, mm-hmm. who when Savion Bird got benched in week two and left injured in week three, mm-hmm. he stepped in. He started at Cincinnati. Guy who's going to be versatile. I think an exciting guy, if you're really getting into the weeds on offensive line depth, the fact that he's so versatile and has, including this year, at least three in front of him of eligibility, I think you're going to see that name and, and that face on that offensive line for a few years. And, um, promising start just in terms of what he's been able to do he, he's not up there with uh the importance probably of a Desan mccullough or some of those guys up front on on defense but uh they've been missing their starting left guard at different points of three of the four games now and he's been there and yeah. so i think that that's felt like an underrated one he committed in the spring uh and i think would have missed spring camp but he's been big and uh important to them we're going to close here on these awards Danny Stutzman, David Aguibu, and Deshaun White each were the only three Sooners to play more than 900 snaps a year ago. So, the Stutzman, Aguibu, White, Ironman Award. Who, who's going to finish this season with the most snaps among Sooner defenders? To, to date, Danny Stutzman's at 227, Woody Washington, 221, Jaron Kanick, 218, and Billy Bowman at 202. Who do you got? That's got to be Washington. You think so? Mm-hmm. And is that, I, I think that's a, that's a safer hedge because I, I think he is going to have to play every snap there, whereas Danny Stutzman can get shuffled out. Well, I also think that Woody has a better chance of staying healthy. Um, and I do think that as much comfort as someone like Canick, I mean, if, if, St- if Stutzman and Canick are, you know, Linus, Linus is blanket right now for that. <laughs> I, I, I get it. I understand that. I just think that the physical nature of that position eventually takes a toll there's eventually going to be a week where they go deep deep into the bench and if if it's not a case of like canic missing some some of the end of the cincinnati game with his issue it's a it's a knee tweak it's an ankle twist it's something like that assuming washington stays healthy and continues to cover guys stride for stride that's another that's another blanket essentially for venable's defense so I, i'd actually think it might be washington well it's a good Smart strategic point because I think the fact is Woody Washington is available. He's going to play close mm-hmm. to every snap because the drop off, and it's not a knock on anyone else, but the knock off from him to say, Can I Walker, Kendall Dolby is larger than already. We've seen them swap out Kip Lewis in important moments in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. against SMU for Danny Stutzman. They can probably spell him a bit better. However, I'm staying with Danny Stutzman. Okay. He's got his Butkus Award candidacy underway. Um, he's on pace for something like 140 something tackles. Uh, so I'll stick with him for the Ironman award. We'll revisit these and see how poorly our, our, our takes age come the end of the season. We don't burn, but, the, we don't burn this recording every week. 
I wish. I mean, do you really want it out there? The race car from a few weeks ago? That's <laughs> forever on the internet. That's not circulating still, is it? Depends lock, on what group. Five running tread marks over my, over my cheek and forehead. I don't know what group chats you're in, but mine uh, <laughs> still have that video circulating plenty. Oh. All right. We're closing out. Oh. Another game of Gare In or Gare Out. We're going to start on a bit of a food kick. We were just in Cincinnati. You, depending on who you ask, so to speak, dodged a bullet, but a, a big group of us <laughs> got over to Skyline Chili, uh, got to, to try it out. Uh, gear in or gear out on Skyline? Since I wasn't there to eat it, how can I even answer the question? Haven't you had it before? You've been. Don't wait. That was really slick, but not slick enough. I I think I'm on record as gear outing Skyline Chili. I know. You know what? I, how I how I phrased it? Gear in for lunch, gear out for dinner. Never mm, ever eat it. You did. You did. So let's just stay there, since I missed your luncheon on Friday. I would put myself in as gear out, but a, a quick little aside: Desan McCullough is uh Desin on uh on skyline because he he's uh, from ohio had a yes. bunch of folks at the game the other day however afterward it was him and jonah Lulu who were handed uh kansas skyline chili i think they were just supposed to pose with it but in the throes of a a 14 point road win said let's let's really up it they took the tops off the cans and both did a shot of skyline and even Desan, who says he's a lover of Skyline Chili, was not thrilled with the lukewarm, unheated-up can of chili. Um, I wouldn't... Kind of like a green eggs and ham deal. There's nowhere I think at this point you can get me to get more of that. How does it come out in shot form? I mean, isn't it, isn't it like a can of Hormel or, or, or Alpo? Where yeah, it's, where I mean, it I don't takes, know how it, it takes out. the form of the can. The meat does. I mean, did, did it... So how did they actually get it? It's, is there liquid... Is there a liquid? Well, I think a defining trait, no matter how you feel about Skyline Chili and that Cincinnati style of chili, is it's, it is kind of watery. So presumably they just got a bunch of cinnamony chili water, um, which again, depending on how you feel that's about that. Descript- that's your base description of Skyline Chili right there. Well, there you go. We should move on before we get into more it's trouble. It's better than comparing it to a can of dog food, which I just did. <laughs> Well, onto another, you know, now Skyline is part of the Big 12 footprint. Another one that's been a favorite on the Big 12 footprint for a while, Iowa State related. You'll find them in Des Moines. Barry Trammell's a lover. Fong's Asian pizza or Chinese pizza. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've done, I know we've had that together. You mm-hmm. gear in or gear out? Gear out. We do, some things we do for Barry Trammell. <laughs> Dining with Fong's for Barry. Is, is unfortunately one of them. Yeah, indeed. But. Had one night, one real fun night there. I think maybe it'll be our last fun night there at Fox. Well, there are reasons for that that we can't we can't go into on this mm-hmm. forum. Cup you have, catch, you have to catch the after show, folks, for the <laughs> for the rest of that story. For those who want to appeal back on the glamorous life that that we live, Garen, you and I, uh, on Tuesdays before Brent Venables' presser, and this actually is a really nice feature. Uh, of the game week in Norman. Uh, media who show up to that press conference are treated to a meal from one of the stadium vendors, mm-hmm. folks who have their food on game days uh, at a Memorial Stadium. And Cup Bop, the, the Korean uh, bowl place, uh, that was our lunch on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Very popular within the beat. Mm-hmm. You gear in or gear out on Cup Bop? Gear in. 
It was, uh, it was a nice, you know what? It, it lifted spirits. Not that spirits needed lifting the other day, but a cup pop Tuesday. Um, for all the for all of those who are concerned about the uh, overall mood of the media in Norman, because I'm sure there's so many. Uh, it was a good day. It was a good day in Norman. Yeah. All right. On to football. Gear in or gear out. Hundred yard rusher this week. Is it going to be the the time that you get it? We've only had it once with Tawi Walker. Uh, is this going to be the week it happens, or going to be another week of at the very at the very best rotation, at the very worst ineffective running? Gear out on the one hundred yard OU rusher. Who would it be if you had to pick one? Going back to my man Tawi Walker. I do still think he's been the most impressive. That's not to say he's the very best or the most talented, but in the Spurts we've seen him, and to your point of what you really need from a running back at this point, he's the guy, if you said get me three to five yards, mm-hmm. I'd look to him. See what they do this weekend. Sooners have yet to allow an opponent to score more than 20 points. I know we kind of hit on what they might need just to get beyond Iowa State. Is that going to happen for another week? Hold another opponent under 20? Garen or Gare out? Garen. Under 20 for the Cyclones. Taking it to your alma mater. Is Kansas the third best team in the Big 12? Oh, yeah. Gare in or Gare out on that? Gare in deliciously. Gare in to the nth degree. Gare nth degree that Kansas is third in the Big 12 right now. Even well, though that... some hack columnists mm-hmm. dismissed 3 through 12 in the Big 12 power poll this week as whatever. That was, that was the columnist talking. This is the podcaster saying that KU is uh, head and shoulders, a third-ranked Big 12 uh, ascending power. You know what? I heard some thunderous yells coming from the north. I didn't realize that, that was the folks in Lawrence reading another Garen Emig column. I think those are the folks in Manhattan bleeping on another Garen Emig column. Get on, get in line. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on the subject of Kansas here, because you in your column, you also in in writing a column like you did that I think speculated both Red River teams are going to show up undefeated to the Cotton Bowl on October seventh. Kansas plays Texas this weekend. Oklahoma's got Iowa State. Will both teams, gear in or gear out on both teams showing up undefeated? Doubling back on the last one minute of the show, I'm gear inning OU and Texas both being 5-0. and That's too cool. To, it's, a, it's, a, it's a proposition. It's too cool to pass up. First time since 08. They, they wrote books about that 08 game, Eli. You just haven't read them yet because <laughs> you don't read. But otherwise. <laughs> I was in the fourth grade in 2008. I know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Finishing here. Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift. You gear in or you gear out? I couldn't be outer. Mm. I'm so tired of that, man. What are you most tired of? Well, n- number one, it's it's hard for me to make headspace for the NFL covering a college football season. So that it, that's really not Travis Kelsey's fault. It's not Taylor Swift's fault that that I find her. I mean, she's fine. She's, I, I respect the Careful. voice. Careful I respect now. The music. Careful now. I know. Respect the music, respect the voice, but I've always been team Beyonce. All right. If Beyonce was potentially dating Travis Kelsey, I'd be Garen. It'd be a much more interesting story. Well, because uh, for, for several reasons, right? Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> you're talking to a Swifty, not, a, not like a hardcore Swifty, mm-hmm. not a uh, examining the, the condiments yeah. on Taylor Swift's chicken finger plate kind of Swifty, but um, <laughs> I, I, I warn you here, be careful. But I also yeah. think this might be a Hollywood contrivance to the one of the, one of the most poorly veiled ones, too, on this front. Beyonce's still spoken for, right? 
Correct. Okay. There, Jay-Z. See, that, that, we'd, we'd, get, we'd be getting into legality if she was dating Travis Kelsey. So. Brett Yormark's buddy, Jay-Z. Yeah. Big 12 commissioner. Right. Now, here's, actually, here's a bonus, Garen Garout. Are you Garen Garout that Yormark's going to be at the Cotton Bowl on October 7th? We did have this uh, car, uh, sports riders and cars on the way to meetings mm-hmm. uh, this week. Can the we, lamest sequel to Comedians and yeah, Cars Getting we, Coffee. We, we, let's revisit this next week. I got to think about All this. All right. Since That's it's a fair question, you got to give me a week of thinking about it. Reasonable. And the right. good news is we'll be back next week, pre-OU Texas. But before then, we've got OU Iowa State, and we've made our piece on that. We're going to find out how it goes Saturday. So that's going to do it on this latest edition of Letterman Jacket Pod. You can find us, as always, YouTube, Spotify, Google, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. You can find all of our fine work at selloutcrowd.com. Garen, you write anything good? before the weekend that people should know about apparently not well yeah i said good are you writing I, anything I, before the weekend that the people i don't know, know if about? i want to advertise after <laughs> after having my my reputation just just <laughs> mud bogged during the course of this show well i do know you did a very interesting interview for the next episode of mind games with gary you make that's right Talking softball with our friend Kenny Gajewski. So thank you. I will plug. I will plug that part of uh, that contribution to the Sellout Crowd Network. That is coming to a uh, to an Apple, Spotify, Google, outer space uh, outlet near you. So fabulous. Well, mm-hmm. we will be back on the Letterman Jacket after the Sooners take on Iowa State. Until then, thank you for listening, and come find us at SelloutCrowd.com.